back to Talk Talk. I'm your host, Emily Osan, and I'm here today with Mr. George. We're talking about another TOK essay title, Title VI, um, which is, are we too quick to assume that the most recent evidence is inevitably the strongest? And in this title, we're asked to discuss with reference to natural sciences and another AOK, which is naturally why I've invited Mr. George here, because he's um, a science teacher. Yeah. Thank yeah. you very much. So for what me. did you what do you find interesting about this title? Um, I mean, like first of all, when I was looking through the titles and I saw natural sciences, I was obviously drawn to this when I thought oh, this is gonna be the best title. Mm. Um I did like it initially, and then I talked about it with my class and I didn't like it. And then I've talked about it with other TOK teachers, and now I do like it. Um so I've gone back and forth on it. I think it is what I one thing I do like about this question, um, and this has come up from going through the other questions with my class, is that I think it's actually quite a clear question and it's quite difficult to argue with the question. Mm -hmm. So I feel with some of the titles, I'm just trying to think now. Um, like, do we need or... Yeah, like the fresh ideas. Yeah. Nothing is more exciting than fresh ideas. You can get kind of bogged down in that arguing with the question. Yeah. And then avoiding answering the question. Yeah. Whereas I think with this one... There are some things in there, like the word inevitably is such a strong word, but then it's balanced out by the are we too quick, the more kind of gentle, uh, gentle kind of, you know, it's giving you a bit of balance there. So I feel like you can't argue with what the question is asking so much, mm -hmm. which I quite like because it makes yeah. it easier to focus on answering the question. Yeah. I, going back to your initial response, I think that's a really common experience for the TOK essay titles. Like usually the one that you like First, mm. it can be the one that you you continue to like, but it you it's usually like goes kind of on a spectrum or back and forth mm. that experience once you start digging deeper. Uh, it, it's who you speak to as well. Oh speak yeah, to people you bounce ideas off people and you have a fresh perspective on it. Yeah, it makes your perspective. Well, it makes you question your perspective. And I think sometimes if you're really set on the notion of how you're going to answer the question and what the question's asking, and then that gets challenged that shakes you a little bit and it just puts that doubt in your mind. Yeah. So I think that's... I, I want to throw something out there because I think um, <clears throat> based on some recent feedback we got about the exhibition task, which is obviously very different than this one, but I think the, the this holds, is that students are not asked to answer the question. Hmm. They're asked to interrogate. And actually that in regards to the prompts in the exhibition, interrogating the prompts like the objects are not meant to answer the prompt or the question, but they're meant to help interrogate the question. I think we could think about a similar thing with the essay that like essence or like that is the spirit of TOK mm. is not necessarily, none of these questions have answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we, if you, I think it's important actually, if we think about that, the process you described of talking to other people, getting new perspectives, and that shaking or changing your original answer, if you take all that as part of the interrogation, mm. that's all essentially part of your answer. Mm. So I think I think I think if we if we get into this one, let's think about it as how we can interrogate this mm. um, a bit. Yeah, um, sure. One of the things I think excites me about this title is the idea of the this um, recent evidence. Mm. So there's, um, the potential for investigating a lot of recent evidence mm. in your, in your interrogation. I mean, 
or looking back at like historical cases and the um, introduction of recent evidence and how that, you know, kind of evaluating its strength uh, because of its recentness mm. um, at, at the moment. Yeah, and I think, I mean, tied in with that for me, and if you're going to look at, you know, there's there's so much in the natural sciences that we can draw on. I mean, COVID would be a huge thing as well. That would be a big discussion point here potentially. But for me, something that is linked in with exploring that recent evidence and, like, you know, how strong that recent ev evidence was, it's also linked in with the we and, like, looking at the audience. And that was that's one thing that I've spent a lot of time speaking to my class about as well you know well who is the audience so if we're talking about the general public or we're talking about scientists you know we're talking about obviously natural sciences here or even governments mm -hmm. their kind of motivations for judging the evidence to be strongest mm -hmm. is different um and that's you know that's another big talking point about the question as well you know yeah. how do you how do you define what the strongest evidence is yeah um, there was a good quote, uh, somebody in my class found it, shared it with the class, and it was no idea qualifies as a theory without evidence. So it's that idea in the natural sciences that evidence is what qualifies a theory, changes it from an idea to a theory. Yeah, and so naturally, like, recent evidence would mm. shine new light. Yeah. Yeah. And then that leads you on to that idea of acceptance of theories in the natural sciences. Mm. Like, if you've got a theory that is accepted by the biggest audience possible then that's success, really. Okay? Yeah. And the way you do that is through the use of evidence. So if you've got evidence that manages to convince people that your theory is, you know, as complete as a theory can be, then you would judge that to be strong. So I think there's a lot to delve into with that idea of, like, what is strong evidence. Mm -hmm. But for me, that's really linked with the audience because mm -hmm. different audiences are going to think, you know, they're going to judge the strength of evidence differently. Mm. Yeah. So, well, and I think um, me. there's a couple of things I want to pick apart there. So one, uh, maybe we pick one and, and, and tackle it and then come back to the other. Yeah, but yeah. one is uh, um, the we in the mm -hmm. question. And actually that appears in title, other titles, yeah. four other yeah. titles as well. And it's kind of hinted at um, in the other ones. Mm. But I think um, that question of who is the we? Mm. And then the second point is um the assumption that like recent evidence is strong because it's recent mm. has very much to do with areas of knowledge like natural sciences that are like the build upon existing ideas yeah. Yeah. and that new evidence or would indicate if it was to be considered evidence mm. that it would indicate uh something worth acting upon or taking into account so it would indicate strength. Otherwise, if it's, although maybe that's not the case. I think though there's that cumulative nature that yeah. that's where that applies. Mm. Perhaps in areas of knowledge like history, where the the nature of <clears throat> recentness might mm. not be as relevant because it um, it doesn't fit within a timeline in the same sense. Like you might find something from uh, millennia ago uh, and just because it's found newly or recently doesn't necessarily indicate a strength no. of evidence. It just shows you. Yeah, and I think the history example, you know, history as an area of knowledge is a good one to explore. Um, 
I think one well, thing... Well, history is not... <clears throat> I mean, I suppose in the same way it's cumulative, right? Where yeah. it's building an, up a picture mm. uh, and that story is constantly being edited. The narrative is constantly being revisited and yeah. adapted and refined. Um, but, you know, it, I was just thinking it, like contrasting with sciences, mm. it's not cumulative in the same way. No, no. Um, well, recent I... evidence might, in a similar way to science cause historians to entirely throw out ex existing theories. Yeah. Um, think, but it's not necessarily because of the recentness. No, and I think that's the other thing that I would kind of explore is that, like, a, a similarity I see is that you've got, you know, the idea that, yes, it's cumulative, you're building evidence in, say, history, mm. right? And new evidence gets unearthed, but then the longer you wait to get the evidence, it's the further away from what you're trying to interpret happening mm. as a goal. So... You can have maybe bigger questions about how you can interpret that evidence and the quality of the evidence and things like that. But then the flip side would also be the idea of, you know, techniques and different methods which weren't available mm -hmm. and are available now. So the strength of evidence can be stronger because of that. Yeah. And I think that's something with sciences too where, yeah, you, you, you'd naturally assume probably that a measurement you take today would be more accurate than a measurement taken 100 years ago. Yeah. But then that's also highly contextual. It depends on, mm -hmm. you know, what that evidence is being used, how that evidence is being used. So mm -hmm. I think, yeah, that idea that it's just good just because it's recent, like trying to isolate that in your discussion, mm -hmm. there's a lot of different elements that lead into the fact why the recent evidence mm -hmm. would be best. Yeah. And it's not necessarily just because it's the most recent, right. but the implication of because it is recent, techniques and yeah. you know, abilities are higher. Perhaps not. The we. If we take the we to be like the general population, I think that's a really dangerous approach. Yeah. <laughs> Generalization of anything is, is dangerous, mainly because who yeah. are you talking about? That includes every single one. There's massive assumptions. Pop culture? Yeah. Are we just talking about like uh, media? And then it's, then you're talking a lot about like who's in charge of that and who controls that and, uh, mm -hmm. Whose whose voice is that? Yeah, yeah. So then, there's also I think a safer way would be to talk about either we as um, learners, mm -hmm. as individuals, or we as like in terms of the area of knowledge and experts within the community. So mm -hmm. I think like if you could you could have quite an interesting interrogation just looking at those different we's, like which we. If, if we're talking about um, experts, yeah. are experts too quick to assume? I would probably say no. Mm. They're the last people to be as quick to assume. They're the ones that are going to take the long time to make sure that they've got it right. Whereas if it's if it's just me as an individual learner uh, and someone who reads about it as a lay person, um, I might be because I don't have that level of expertise. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, that idea that the experts, I mean, the experts have got more riding on it, haven't they? So, yeah, I think with the experts, it's definitely that idea that it's their reputation is entwined with their opinion on something, right? So if they back something or they make a claim or they're going to say this evidence is the strongest, that has far more ramifications to them than, say, you know, me as a science teacher who's not, you know, I'm not trying to drive a particular theory forward or I'm not involved in developing the theory or, you know, analyzing historical evidence. But as somebody who's interested and I read it, I'm 
kind of freer to make assumptions, mm -hmm. freer to just, you know, feel like, oh, that's really good evidence. That's the evidence. That's the strongest evidence. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, would that be, you know, would that be a good way of approaching sure. I see, I writing the essay, just like picking... Just interrogating community. different perspectives. But yeah. like picking a community and looking at them in different For areas sure. and just saying, well, in this situation, you might have this, this situation, like there's going to be parallels, but there will also be the differences too. I mean, one of the things you find when you read a lot of essays is that there are as many approaches to writing the essay as there are essays. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, <laughs> I could see that. If I was writing the essay, I might do it that way, just simply because it works in my brain. That's interesting too. And it's interesting, like, yeah. I mean, just start and you have that. experts within the arts yeah. and within history and within every AOK, okay, mm. right? So it's a it's an interesting like you know it might be a nice structural element that helps bind it together, mm. where we look at like experts within each field taking on new evidence and examples of that new evidence, and then actually finding whether or not they're too quick to. Mm. Uh, to assume hmm. whereas um you could then also take something like the pop culture version hmm. of science the thing that is shared with general the general public hmm. um and you could take examples of that like pop psychology hmm. uh or like diet fads or things like this that you know it maybe we are in that bigger sense of uh, digesters of information hmm. too quick to assume yeah. Uh, without the expertise. And so, you know, maybe as individuals, we are, we could have that kind of nice comparison. Yeah. I suppose, I mean, just a thought on your last point there, we, as kind of consumers of the knowledge at that, at the lowest rung, should we say, we might be too quick to assume, but then also, well, we, we don't have all the big picture. Right? We have what's reported to us. We have the big ideas and the kind of, the shocking things that are going to make it into media. So we don't actually have other evidence to compare it to. Mm -hmm. So although we might be very quick to assume it's the strongest, often that's because it's the only evidence we have as well. As yeah. I, I'm talking about at our level, so yeah. that would be definitely a good reason to explore in comparing us to, say, people working in a particular field yeah. and how they would consider the evidence because yeah. they would also have more evidence as well. Well, and also they have more investment. <clears throat> Yes, yeah, and I think to... I think it goes back to that. But there's there's also another way about it would be like the stage of the production of mm. knowledge, like where whether it's at the creation or the consumption or the you know at the at the level of production or level of understanding. Yeah, like are you just am I just learning about it versus am I uh, finding out and pushing the boundary of what we know? And, well, and I think. Yeah, that no. could also be another way. And historically, with the access to information now compared to how it was in the past, mm. that's going to change the nature, like the speed at which we get mm -hmm. knowledge. Like there's there's loads of examples from the natural sciences of kind of situations where a theory was announced. Mm -hmm. Maybe it didn't go through all the proper kind of peer checking and you know the kind of normal rigmarole it would go through. And it was just announced to the general public and it was accepted and it was, oh, this is amazing. We've got like cold fusions, a huge example. Mm. Whereas nowadays, I don't think that would necessarily, I mean, this is it, it can happen more, but also there's more information available. Mm -hmm. So if you've got somebody holding a press conference saying, right, we've discovered cold fusion, you're going to get 
how many other scientists kind of around the world instantly instantly looking at and it. And there's no like waiting to read a journal and then a response. There's none of that. There's just, no letter writing and yeah, mailing across. They'll the be on Twitter straight away, just tweeting away saying, "Yeah, like, this is nonsense because of this, this, this." I so, mean, the level of communication. Yeah. Maybe it's less so now than it would have been a hundred years ago, mm. prior to the in- internet. Yeah. Or even prior to like faster kind of travel and yeah. which has enabled that communication. But then I suppose that also means this are we too quick as well? Does that affect Maybe that's part of it too? Yeah. Does because that... we have such quick communication. Yeah. You know, you can have somebody announcing something and it can be debunked within seconds. Mm-hmm. Like instantly debunked and yeah. depending on who's jumping on which bandwagon can sway the general public quite a lot, can't it? Yeah. Um, you know, you've mentioned areas of knowledge, so we yeah. talked about history. Yeah, I was going to say, let's let's think yeah. about... The arts was the one that... Um, this is speaking to other TOK teachers from other schools in mm-hmm. the recent um, meeting we had. Yeah. Uh, a lot of teachers felt that the arts would be a very difficult area of knowledge to use with this question. Whereas in some ways I see just because I feel there's a big... You know, I mean, there's there's a big contrast between the arts and natural sciences and a lot of the approaches so I feel like in some ways maybe that would be helpful I think maybe yeah I agree I think well on I think it has to do with the role of evidence yes yeah because evidence is so central to the natural sciences and when you put out all this is you know one of our TOK concepts is evidence when you put out all those concepts interpretation Mm. ranks much higher than evidence um but when you're looking at an arts interpretation of what you are interpreting evidence yeah so it's just that we don't always call it that i think and evidence in the arts evidence is found in the text Hmm. whatever the text might be the painting or the poem or Hmm. so forth recent evidence is where it gets tricky because then you'd have to be looking at well okay is it just found in the text or is it also like what the author or the artist says is it also interpretations of that um, and other people's perspectives? Do I count um, facts from the creation of the artwork as part of evidence of my, you know, its meaning? Um, and so, I don't know. I, I think you would struggle a little with that um, for that reason. Because yeah. in a sense, like, there is no time quality to evidence. Mm. It's it, The evidence, like... If it's in a text, if you're looking at evidence within a text, it's always there. It's, it's only about when you look at it and when you interact with it. So it's been there since... Things. Yeah, so the recent recentness is irrelevant in that sense. But would it be... Could you... Could so that, you, I think is that's where I would say but what about, it might not be that great if you go that route. I, yeah, I understand that. And I think that was the, the general consensus. Yeah. But like, I mean, if you're talking about kind of the... Other kinds of evidence? Oh, no, no. Just to say, like, the last thing you said about mm. the, the evidence being the kind of person's interpretation. Yeah. So then... Well, the person's interpretation would come from the evidence. But does that interpretation, do they tend to change over time with changing out? That's and... that's possible. So I guess then, I guess we could, we could kind of open up what we are talking about as evidence to even include the context of the artwork. Mm. In which case... Um, I suppose. You look uncomfortable saying that. <laughs> I do feel uncomfortable like, saying it because if I like the yeah. work, like there's, there's lots of points of views. And I mean, when we talk about the arts, we're always talking about um, like 
you, you do often talk about the artist's intention versus audience interpretation. Mm. And that relationship is people have very strong viewpoints about which one is the right one. Mm. And I don't think that that's really necessary. Like it's both very relevant and interesting mm. and in sense could be the artist's intention and the audience interpretation. But evidence it, yeah, I'm uncomfortable. I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not the right language really for the arts, I don't think. Do you know what? I mean, the way we're talking about evidence interpretation there now, a lot of the examples that I would give as part of, you know, addressing this question would actually be the interpretation of the evidence mm -hmm. by the experts. Like, you're not, you know, I mean, the one, the one that we talked about a lot in class and I really like is just, it's, I use it a lot in my teaching as well is about there were particles discovered to be moving faster than the speed of light. So mm -hmm. particles made in the big um, particle accelerator in CERN were created and then they were detected many, many miles away in um, Italy in a really cool like underground lab, which is like an evil kind of genus's lair type thing. Oh, my God. And it's, it's, it's a really great story. And then I won't go into it now, but the particles were, you know, when they looked at it, they looked at how f at the time it had taken the particles to get there. And they realized the particles had to be moving faster than the speed of light. Mm -hmm. And obviously that kind of shakes science and physics to its core because it contradicts, you know, Einstein and contradicts all of his theories and contradicts so many things that we've built all our kind of current knowledge on. Mm. Um, I mean, long story short, it turns out that with uncertainties, it might have been they were moving faster than the speed of light, but they might have been moving slower than the speed of light. Now, that's as far as they've got with it. They just said, we can't actually prove that it was, but we also can't prove that it wasn't. Mm -hmm. So we haven't proved anything really. But the point I'm trying to make is just to go back to that original thing, is that actually we're just looking at the interpretation of the evidence. Mm -hmm. The actual evidence they get, it isn't as easy as, oh, the particles are made, then we detect, and then there's a time in between, because like it's not as easy as that. Yeah. Thinking about very small particles, which are also actually made in their billions and billions and billions in the sun, like there's billions of these neutrinos passing through us now. So mm -hmm. then working out that the neutrinos they detected were the neutrinos made there, there's all, you know, there's a huge amount of work goes into just interpreting that data. Mm. Like I forget the exact lead time, but I mean, it was, it was like 2010 or 2011 where this was claim was made, but actually the experiment had happened, I think almost a year before, but it mm -hmm. takes that long to work through the data. Mm -hmm. So actually the evidence it's never really presented to you. Mm -hmm. We just get the interpretation, interpretation. evidence. Mm. And, you know, I mean, I think nowadays you can find, like, I mean, all the gravity wave experiments at the moment, all the evidence is available. Mm. We've got students using that data for IAs and EEs, which is incredible. Yeah, that stuff is. that's driving forward these huge discoveries and interpretations of what black holes are and things like that. And, you know, we've got students doing EEs with it. That's but okay. it's available. Like, yeah. that's it. Back then, it wasn't available. I mean, we're only talking 11, 12 years ago, and it wasn't. It just wasn't. Yeah. But the interpretations are readily available. So actually, we do. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I th Does that throw a spanner in the work? Strongest. Of... Strongest is the bit that mm. we haven't even touched yet. <laughs> and what you're talking about now. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, yeah, the metric of how strong the evidence is. And again, depending on you know the audience, depending on the community, mm. they would have different definitions of what strongest is. Yeah. You know, the newest, most shocking evidence would be the strongest for some people. 
for some people they would want to drill down into the quality of the evidence and you know how the evidence was gathered things like that so yeah it's, it's uh, it, to me strongest is like the one that wins out yeah i mean that's yeah going back to that that quote i found or the, the student found sorry um that idea that if you're if your theory is accepted you've won yeah yeah and in order for you to win you need to prove your theory which is what the evidence is yeah. so if you can use evidence to convince people i mean that's when you go back to audiences and you think well who's the audience is it you know, or even if it's, if it's a government, for example, mm. we talked a little bit about politics and the idea that, you know, it's COVID, there's a lot of stuff you can talk about here yeah. with that with, you know, what they would consider to be the strongest evidence is, you know, is to do with their motivations, you know, what they want that evidence to help prove, like, you know, confirmation bias, that mm-hmm. kind of thing as well comes into it. But I wonder if, if we go with the assumption that um, recent evidence would be inevitably the strongest it might be because what would be the point of sharing new evidence if it just said the same thing but you've got new evidence to prove theories just to uphold existing theories yeah but would it be as celebrated or would it be as compelling or interesting and going back i mean it's just saying the same thing over and over yeah but you've got things like i mean einstein he his theory of relativity was groundbreaking. He, you know, it's a lot of it was just it was he was a theoretical physicist. He wasn't doing experiments, so right. the evidence he had was more, you know, just using maths properly, mm-hmm. like saying it quite bluntly. Sorry, but using maths very properly to prove something, to combine ideas together, mm-hmm. to show that oh well, because this happens and this happens, and we know these things happen. If we do the maths, we end up with this idea here. And, so this must yeah. be. So following on from that, then there's been a couple of different, I mean, there's been a, a lot of these huge experiments that have proven that his mm-hmm. theories were correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, diff- I mean, that's a good example in terms of different types of evidence, you know, mm-hmm. what the evidence he had to prove his theories and then the evidence like where people actually went out. There's a the famous expedition of it. Yeah, there's a famous expedition to go and take a picture of a... Um, the eclipse. Yeah, the eclipse. Yeah. Which is just kind of it's quite an abstract idea it's i don't know and it's it seems such a simple idea they just went and took a picture and they could see a star that they shouldn't be able to see right that proved or but yeah that's only possible because of that so that's more recent evidence but then you know is that evidence stronger than the original evidence because without the original evidence you wouldn't have the theory i i would argue that yes that it would be strongest because it confirms. Yeah, yeah. You could say that, um, even if, I suppose. But I, I was just thinking, like, recent evidence tends not to confirm so much as to overthrow. Mm-hmm. Like, it, otherwise, it's just not... It doesn't get the news headlines. It's not that yeah. interesting. Like, oh, yes, we know, yet again, the same thing we already knew. No, you just don't hear that yeah. very often. So would you need... Um, I, like Actually, COVID would be, I mean, a most recent uh, exper- experience where we saw that, like, science mm. process happening in real time. Yeah. As we, as, like, just lay people, mm. people who were exposed to COVID or possibly not, who it affected yeah. in, in a real day-to-day sense. And we would see one day scientists standing on the TV telling us, uh, or politicians standing and telling us, 
one thing, and then we would hear scientists the very next day saying, actually, new evidence shows this is the opposite of what we thought yesterday. And even then the next week, overturning it again. Um, and that, that real-time science yeah. um, was because of recent evidence, development of recent evidence as we went along. As new evidence came along, it showed that something that they thought was not correct, and they had to readjust the interpretation. But they also had, I mean, interestingly then, you also had the resurfacing of existing evidence being introduced as new evidence. Oh, yeah. And, you know, because, I mean, this yeah. is, you know, like... I, I'm it's not, not a new idea. I'm not a biologist, right? So, no. you know, a lot of what I learned about, you know, viruses and infections and, like, transmission and, like, all these kind of vector diagrams and stuff like that, that were just thrown at us constantly... Mm. It only came about because of COVID. Like, yeah, yeah. I never really had to engage with it. Mm -hmm. Never really, you know, it hadn't been on my radar. So there was a lot of kind of pre-existing evidence which was thrown back up. Mm. And it was presented as new evidence sometimes, or for a lot of people, it was new evidence. So yeah. actually you I mean, were even like seeing the, it for the first time, even though it was very well established. The technology, the mRNA yeah, technology yeah. I mean, was kind of like, I think, new for a lot of people. But that yeah. been Old. I mean, that's, that, it's an existing and old. It, the um, idea was old and existing, but how it was used and the rate at which it was produced and kind of put into effect mm -hmm. is just incredible. Mm -hmm. um, it just unheard. I think well. there's a lot to dive into there. If you were, I, if you were writing this yeah, title, I mean, as soon as we like the class, we sat down, we looked at this, we talked about it, and COVID came. For COVID, up yeah, of course. It's, it's. I mean, it's been such a big part of our life yeah. as well. It's always going to be there or thereabouts. But I think mm -hmm. there's a lot to discuss with that mm. and yeah i mean i suppose your definition of what recent evidence is you know are you saying that recent evidence is evidence that has been discovered recently full stop or is it recent to that particular observer that particular sorry, yeah that's a that's community. that's a really that's the same like that goes with arts and history yeah, right like yeah, yeah. where does it fit within the timeline what how are you defining that i think that's a, that like yeah, there's there's lots of ways into this, and I don't think that any one of them would be right or wrong. I think you would just want to kind of, with with a question like that, how you take recent evidence, you just would want to take an approach, make it clear, and be consistent. Yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't think either of those would be right or wrong. What about um, if you in in you know writing an essay, if you were to jump around with different definitions of recent? You could also do that. Like if you wanted to yeah. take that approach, like. What do we mean by recent? If you want to take issue with yeah. anyone, I think you could do that. <clears throat> but <clears throat> when you do take issue with any one particular part of the title, you need to be careful not to ignore the other parts of you the title. You should be too far away. Yeah, so yeah. you can that that can be a dangerous like approach. I think that that for some of the other questions that was that's that was my what I was talking about earlier. It's just you can get so bogged down. Yep. But I do. I still when, go back to like arguing with the question. Like this different to. You didn't put it as arguing. What did you put it as? You said it interrogate. was interrogating. The, yeah, that's the correct approach, right? But yeah. If you're saying the question's wrong and you pick in a couple of words, which is why the question's wrong, yeah. you can get very, well, it's just blinkers on. You're just narrow-mindedly yeah. pursuing that one thing. And yeah. You ignore the rest of the question. And I think it's just really important that yeah. there is not any answer to this. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there is a simple yes or no answer. <laughs> <laughs> and you could start your essay that the way. Question, I would have just said yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> yeah. And you could yeah. start an essay yeah. that way. Yeah. And then you just need to unpack that and interrogate your own answer. And just I mean, that's that's also a way in. Yeah. There's so many.
Mm-hmm. Um, but like with all the titles, it needs to be a balanced answer, right? So when you're discussing it with the sciences, I think that would be hard to, you know, to... It'd be really easy to get just caught up talking about natural science. Oh, yeah. yeah. And forget about anything else. Yeah. Human sciences would be a natural good one because it's very, like, hand-in-hand. Hand, and the methods are similar. And that role of evidence is also key. I think history would be really good. I feel like math and arts would be really hard with this. But if you've got it a way in, if you see an answer to it, go for it, right? I think maths and arts is that it's the definition of evidence causes the most problems yeah. for people because it's yeah. not it's like it's so much clearer with the other way okay you just yeah use it. I, I laugh when you said human sciences though because human sciences again was a huge discussion point and there were loads of examples but some students were like oh we can't use that it's like why not it's too much like the natural sciences it's like it's a different AOK okay, though it's in touch but it's got sciences in the title but the, so. the <laughs> nice thing is the methods are there's there's like the similar yeah. striving mm-hmm. in uh, and aims within yeah. the human and natural sciences mm-hmm. even if and there's a similar like the, the scientific method goes across yeah. perhaps not in all of the human sciences is where it gets tricky because we have like things like um, computer science or economics or these things that don't necessarily use a scientific method in the same way for the same purpose yeah. um, or, or they don't clearly fall in the sciences in the same way. Mm. Um, but they do use theories. They do use evidence and they have uh, those, those, the, the theories often come out of evidence, even if the process looks different. It's the interpretation again, there's that is how is the, the nature of the evidence in the human sciences. It, it needs a different level of interpretation yeah. and a different approach of interpretation. I think, the natural sciences, it just, I'm even just saying this because I'm a you know, science teacher, but like it just feels more clear cut. Physics, certainly. <laughs> yeah. Be very clear, right? Because then, then when you move to other other yeah. sciences, it's much less clear cut. But then I, I think the thing that a lot of students who maybe aren't doing the sciences might overlook as well is that when we get to the IA in you know grade 11 and grade 12, you're going to do an experiment, you're going to get a result, you're going to get a graph, you're going to draw a line of best fit, and the line of best fit will mean something, mm-hmm. right? So it might be the gradient is equal to the acceleration due to gravity on Earth, right? Which we all know is 9.81. Oh, yes, but we I, all know that. Oh, no, it's just, yeah, it's a concept. <laughs> <laughs> but then <laughs> the, um, the actual, what they have to do at DP level is they have to look at the uncertainties in their measurements. Mm-hmm. Going back to what I said about the, the, the CERN example earlier, and... If ever a student gave in just a line of best fit, mm. they would do so badly because they've not really considered the extent to what they can be certain that that is the value. Mm. So actually, they do, like, I think it's seen often, like physics in particular, and I know the way that we teach physics low down in the school is very much like, this is a fact. Mm. This is true. We know it's true mm. for these reasons, and we don't really question it until we get, you know, they get a bit older, we'll start to yeah. question it more, 9 yeah. and 10. Definitely. And then when it gets to 11 and 12, it's actually everything is questioned. And we look at the limitations to how certain you can be. So they'll draw me a, a graph, the line of best fit, the gradients, acceleration due to gravity. And then they'll have error bars to show how certain they are of their measurements. Mm-hmm. They'll actually draw two more lines on there. And they'll tell me, well, this is the value I got. This is the range of values I could have got. Mm-hmm. So you're actually exploring the extent to what you're certain. So I think, yeah, sometimes... People, and it, it is by the nature of how we teach lower down in the school, mm-hmm. I think 
that's something we can and are talking about addressing and we do gradually lead into it but it is very black and white very true and wrong at the bottom end but then as we get you know further up we do explore and it's that idea of like you can have an answer but then you've got to justify your answer mm-hmm. justify the limitations of your answer mm-hmm. as well you know I, I think that yeah okay you ask me this question i say yes but i know this is the limitations to how soon i can be about that answer mm-hmm. So there is that aspect of it, which is overlooked sometimes. Thank you for meeting with me today. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed <laughs> the conversation. Thank you very much for having yeah. me. Let's do this podcast. This is oh, yeah. yeah. Great. Awesome. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for joining. Let's, let's do it again sometime. Cheers.